Welcome back. Episode 11, Wing It Podcast, GooseDigital.com. Who do we have? Robin Kroll. Kevin Butler. Emily Crawford. Emily, welcome. Thank you. Another first-timer. Another first-timer. Bringing on the, the, bringing on the newbies. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody's always nervous when they when they come on the podcast. They they got a little butterflies in the tummy. How are you doing? So far, so good. I yeah, it's because we make a big deal about it. We're just like, oh, the first I know. Time. I mean, it's on video. <laughs> you know. Maybe we should play it cool. Like, welcome back to your hundredth episode. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Veteran. You're, you're a veteran. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we're talking about what are we talking about today? Personalization mm-hmm. in in B two B marketing. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go down that hole because, uh, Emily has a lot of experience. What's that? Yes, we are. Kevin, Kevin, we are. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Of Goose Digital Inc. Actually, your name is Kay. Okay. (laughs) Because I got that wrong on the, on the invite. Um, but we're talking about this because, well, we focus on, on uh, marketing automation and with marketing automation, if you do it right, you can get a large amount of personalization into your programs, which as we know, the research suggests that. The more relevant you are to your audience, the the better uh, response rate you're going to have. And you can also say, in order to get it right, you need to use personalization. I was going to say, yeah. like, at what point, like, when you think of um, sort of like baseline personalization, it's like name, company, things like that. And at what point do we say that's not even personalization anymore? That's, that's just, just like being con- bare standard of what. Yeah. A half decent email okay, looks like. like consider like thanks for being considerate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and actually Emily and I were talking about that a little bit earlier about you know is having you know your name or business name is does it even considered to be personalization anymore yeah, or is exactly. it table stakes? Yeah, honestly, I we talking about that this morning I, that it it almost isn't anymore. It just people just expect to automatically see you should know where where I'm from. What I do, do I have kids? Like, those are just the bare minimums. Like, yeah, be not the what you do, but you know, like your basics. Yeah. And I think, especially when more and more we're asking or we're discovering this information, but I think, particularly when you're asking for this information, so you filled out a form potentially, um, and you, you, you know that, that the company has that information, right? Mm-hmm. And then just not really able to use it or they're not using it. So, we, we thought this would be a good topic because. Um, for B2B, it's probably an untapped area for a lot, for a lot of businesses. Um, so why don't we, why don't we just go down that road of how would we sort of define personalization by maybe our standards or just kind of what we would think in that B2B lens? I mean, and what would you say from a B2B perspective would be your kind of table stakes? So automatically right off the top, um, everything we send out. First name, last name, obviously we know their email. Mm-hmm. Um, and most things that we send out also would include at least the company that they work for in the industries that I've worked in primarily. Right. And that, so, so you're saying that that's, that's sort of table stakes uh, at this point to be able to have that information. I would say. Yeah. And, and you know, um, I'm wondering if, uh, you know, in some of the things that, that we've we've done for customers, if we've been able to see what that impact is. So understanding when you have personalization versus you don't have that basic personalization, you know, have we seen any differences in engagement um, based on having that? 
Definitely. Actually, uh, one of the clients that we've been working with, uh, over the last 24 months, we went from having no personalization to starting to include even as little things as first name in the subject line. Mm-hmm. And right away, we saw a big increase in mm-hmm. open rates. Sure. Yeah. And, as, and as we started to pull some of that stuff and more detailed information into the emails, we saw higher engagement, higher click-through rates, higher conversions. So definitely... Um, like we've seen, like I said, over 24 months, we've seen a big progression in, in, how, in, in yeah. engagement. engagement yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, I, I bet you a lot of brands wouldn't, they wouldn't realize that they wouldn't under, wouldn't realize what, what a, you know, a small change or, or would have that kind of that impact on their engagement. Well, I think if you, if you had, you know, um, I know that even for some of the, I mean, the marketing automation companies, I'm not going to name, name the ones that 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 I've subscribed to information and I'll get an email that's literally I wasn't joking it was like hi M but yeah. but yet you know the next week I'll get a you know hi Michael so mm-hmm. so to me there's something that that's happened there where maybe over time I've I've opted into two things or uh, I don't get two emails like it's not like I'm getting duplicate emails so so mm-hmm. sometimes I'm on one list sometimes on another list do you think that just being consistent with that personalization can be a challenge for for companies so that they're Certainly they know ones what, at scale right so yeah. if you think mm-hmm. of any of those those organizations they're probably generating thousands of leads a week right and so do who's watching and sort of maintaining like a, a centralized yeah. database like i think when we talk about personalization it really comes down to how clean is the database mm-hmm. and what's like the method you're capturing names and are you cleaning that lead once it's come in like it's even something like for example you fill out a form Michael Turk Sandy, what if you did the mall capitals? Right. Your who, who, who's, who's cleaning that up? Right. You don't want to get an email saying like, hi, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Just stuff like that, right? A level of cleanliness. So, you know, I know, Emmy, you've worked on some pretty big, big uh, campaigns and lots of data behind them. You know, there is, a, there is a world where you would chunk down the campaign and say, well, we, we know we're pretty confident in you know, 30% of our data, like we've got, we want to go out with a campaign that has this personalization and delivers um, a different, a different type based on that person and, and what their role is, let's say, but we don't have 100% of, uh, of our, of our contacts have that information. Mm-hmm. So instead of going out with a less than stellar campaign, let's, let's narrow that audience, try out what it would, what would it, how, what would happen if we went to 30% that had that information and then take that back to the business? Maybe you can explore a little bit about, you know, in situations where you just don't have complete data. Yeah. I mean, we actually, we talk about that a lot. Um, especially lately, actually in the last six months, we've really been focusing on the CRM database and data cleanliness and data quality very much. Um, you know, well, I, Garbage in, garbage out is really what, what we're right. talking yeah. about a lot. So actually, um, we've been focusing a lot with uh, the client that I've been working with on getting the data cleaned. So that being that, those are the things where we're going through and we're only using exactly what you said. Instead of saying we know what product they purchased last, we're going in going, okay, we know, we know your name and we know what company you work for. So we're going to lead with that and we're going to ask you some specific questions around the, some of the data that we would like to start piloting. Mm-hmm. That's a really great point. Well, two really great points. One is about the, the, the data cleanliness and being responsible about that because there's, you know, the same way there's an expectation that if I'm going to 
um, you know, submit a form or a subscription. I expect that to be used when it's brought back out to me. But there's also this expectation that, you know what, I can subscribe in multiple different channels and it's up to the company to figure out how to to cleanse and merge that data mm-hmm. so they know that I'm actually just, you know, one Michael Turksani and not two. That's a right. scary thought, isn't what it? What about this idea um, <laughs> for this client? Because I know they do some pretty heavy email marketing. Is this idea of a campaign around, um, like, data gen or like data generation where it's like it's not about uncovering new leads or anything like that it may not even directly be about engaging that audience so much it is about learning more about them to be able to be more confident in the Mm -hmm. database to know that everything that these individuals are filling out now is stuff you could use later like next quarter no i think you've done that right that's yeah that's exactly what we've been doing a lot of because like i said our focus lately has been very much on data cleanliness especially like you mentioned um companies that scale quickly earlier um that's i think that's the case for a lot of people as they start out and no there's no real procedures nobody's policing anything there's no policies Mm -hmm. in place and then we end up with all this data that is great, but it may not be assigned to the right people. Maybe it's mm-hmm. not accurate. Those, so those are the things that we've been really focusing on now that we've kind of gotten a handle on personalization. Now the focus is, okay, let's really like, you know, get in there and make sure we have exactly what we need so we can really start to impact these people. So you've got a strategy around the data, mm-hmm. right? Very so that, that's another... Is, that, to me, that's a level of sophistication yeah. for organizations yeah. that sometimes you don't have the bandwidth or, uh, I don't know, like the ability to get to because there's so many other bigger mm-hmm. fires to put out. But once you're at a level where you're starting to think about that and you have a know-how of how to execute with certain data, I think that puts you in a different stratosphere as far as like sort of being new to this stuff versus now you know what to do with it. And it's a matter of you just don't have it to do it with. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the things about taking the strategic approach uh, with, uh, you know, the, the data generation is that if you're asking for a particular piece of data, you, you have, you, you know why and Part of that strategy should be strategy should be what is the benefit for the end customer? Right. You know, how isn't that going to make them easier to um, you know to, to to engage with us to to learn whatever whatever it is that you're trying to help them do? So when you have that as a strategy, and then it's easier to ask yeah. someone to say, can you provide this data so that we can make sure that we're communicating out with you? We're only sending what you're actually interested in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so like it's interesting because I think like uh, the the marriage between segmentation and personalization mm-hmm. is really understated, but it's kind of they go hand in hand. I think so. Absolutely. As an example, like uh, at a previous org that I worked at before, it was uh, it was it was sort of a tool you could swap in and out, and so it was very regular. You could use vendor A one year and then vendor B the following year. And so one of the questions we'd ask in the form, you know, it's your standard first name, last name, job title, company. But then we'd also ask, when are you looking at replacing this product or this platform? Mm-hmm. And we had options in the drop down. I think it was within three months, six months, 12 yeah. months, or I, I don't know. And that would more or less throw you into a bucket of, okay, now we know how serious they may be and how mm-hmm. um, sudden or not so sudden mm-hmm. or urgent their buying cycle may be, and then we can personalize, not just on name and company, and hi, Emily Crawford, are you interested in blah, 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 but it's more about the relevant message, and the whole message is personalized based on a perceived need. Yeah, I think, you know, the we talked about, we've got this B2B versus B2C, and B2B is what we're focusing on today, and this, and this just because we think it's kind of underserved. Um, but just looking at some stats here from, from eConsultancy, in their 
2017 state of personalization report it actually says that you know in there i don't know how big this audience was but only 22 percent of shoppers were actually satisfied with the level of personalization you know am in your experience in sort of soliciting end contacts for some additional data points to support what to your point robin mm. what, what what eventually will be more value to them because they will receive that that better more relevant information for them and and that is personalization um in addition to um more relevant marketing to them what's the feedback been i mean if you found that those people when asked those types of profiling questions are are open to providing responses back so we um last year we did a campaign that was part get some information and part we want answers to these questions so we can help you better mm -hmm. and we actually had really good results um people gave like well thought out answers when the, even when there was an option to uh just like hand key their own information so um, I believe our uh, submission rate on that was 40%, which was awesome. Mm, that's amazing. Um, we so we did. We got a lot of really good feedback from that. This year, we're actually, as we've talked about, we're planning on doing a data-only survey. So more information just about them. So mm -hmm. I will get back to you. <laughs> now, is that totally new information for anyone in the database? Or is it just sort of backfilling info that you want to sort of other contacts in the database already have? Both. Oh. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, when you go through these stats, I mean, I think what we're, and Robin, you touched on it briefly, I think when we're saying people are open to doing this, I mean, stats certainly support providing that information. And I think we're talking about some of these consumer stats, but ultimately we're all consumers. So mm -hmm. I think what we're, we're all in our, you know, outside of our day jobs being bombarded by these retailers and brands that um, aren't maybe personalization, they're on that path to sort of really utilizing their data better but um equally like in our job worlds we're, we're probably just as as equally likely to to provide that data if it's going to be used mm -hmm. correctly so if you just profiled me and said you know what would you be rather you know hear from us about this topic or that topic and then you just keep sending me things about the other topic i mean i think that that's not what you know not a good practice right I like where you're going with that too because i think part of it's what are you asking of your audience in terms of how are you trying to define the things that mm -hmm. are important to them because mm -hmm. maybe it's less about the topics per se and maybe it's more like well, when would you like to be communicated every tuesday mm -hmm. got it or you know just something like that because personalization doesn't just have to be names and job titles no you're right it can be something about the the cadence as well um, so, you know, when do you want to hear back? Right. How yeah, is it a, a monthly roll-up? Yeah. 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 You know, so many of these things really contribute to the fact there that regardless if it's your personal or your work inbox, there there is all this clutter. Mm -hmm. and there will always be. There, there will always be, but, you know, when you, if, if, a, if a, a company or a brand can put something in front of you that you say, oh, I didn't, this is not just a message that could randomly be sent to anybody. This is something specifically for me. I'm interested in it mm -hmm. and I've got 10 that I'm not interested. Well, you know, there's no question what I'm going to go ahead and, and engage with. And that's, that's, that's a brand that's going to, um, you know, I'm going to continue to follow because I feel that I've given them some information in return. They've been able to give me some value. So maybe we'll pivot this. So I think we all agree that, you know, personalization in B2B is probably lot, you know, steps behind B2C, mm -hmm. um, that a good opportunity for B2B businesses could be to go through some profiling, come up with a strategy to your point, Kevin, what are we actually, what, how are we trying to engage this audience? What, 
you know, dialogue do we want to have? So certainly defining that makes makes the, or your first priority makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then going through a process to pull that that group and slowly over time, you know, develop that con those 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 data points to be used for personalization. Um, you know, where do we think things are going in 2019? If you said I'm a I'm a business, I've I've got you know. 50,000 names or maybe maybe even 10,000 names and maybe even less maybe you've only got 3,500 names because you're you know very high value accounts and you know mm-hmm. what would what would we recommend to a business like that that's launching out into marketing automation for the first time to to get to a place where they're um, personalizing um, using personalization effectively turn that to anybody that wants to jump in okay uh, well I guess I'll, I'll start um, it- I guess there's there's two ways of looking at that. You know, the the more you understand about, so you've got a small database about 3,500 people. The more you can understand about who that audience is, mm-hmm. um, and and understanding the value that they you can bring to them. Not only the, does that allow you to you know to be very personalized and therefore more successful in um, how you communicate with them, but there's the additional value saying, well, once I understand the value to a group of 3,500. I'm going to go out, be able to go out and find more people who have those same interests, right. and it allows you to, you know, to embark on a, a lead gen strategy as well. So I think it's, yeah. I, I think you can double down on that. Okay. And I think um, whether it's 3,500 or 35,000, I think that for 2019, I think the fact of the matter is, is that people do expect that really personalized experience, and so to me gone are the days where we can just get by with like high m on an email i think mm-hmm. that really the focus for 2019 um and this may be shaded a bit by what we're doing with the, with my client but um it should be data cleanliness and making sure whether it's mm-hmm. 3500 or 35,000 that mm-hmm. you know those people and you're sending them the right message at the right time because they're just not opening it if like i think of a i think of a you know if, if a portion of that audience is not say your prospects certainly if, if what we're talking about is your customer marketing and your communications mm-hmm. which we talk a lot about mm-hmm. um in, you know you figure well you would know a fair bit about these clients like even for us i mean our clients tend to use one of four or five pieces of core technology that we support mm-hmm. well we're probably not going to send you you know information about the other the other technology that, that you're not hopefully using not. right like hopefully not right like and we know that because you're our customer and yeah. we're, you know so just taking those extra steps to to your point make sure the list is accurate but then actually doing that do doing something with it well i was good the reason i was kind of like mm, is because i you sort of stole it from my mouth but i was going to go in a slightly different direction which is start to prioritize regular data cleanliness and mm-hmm. sort of database okay. health so not just every two years. Maybe it's something you revisit every, I don't know, six maybe two months. quarters yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, six months. Yeah. But this idea anyway is that um, things change enough and we need to spend time in it. And if, to your point, data in, data out, if your database isn't, if you can't really stand behind it and say, yeah, I actually really believe in this, the people on it and all the data we have on them, then what are your, what good are your programs really going to be? I yeah. think like, so is that a, really a trend? Is that cutting edge thought leadership? Yeah. And no, I, but... I, th- I think there's a, there's a batch of users out there that would yeah. say, well, we actually have, or sorry, businesses out there. Um, I, I was going to say um, maybe CRM users that say, mm-hmm. well, we have great date. We, we have actually a fair, a, like a good handle on a level of that data, but is marketing 
you know, how progressive is our marketing function? Are they, are they, are they really grabbing that? Or are they Mm -hmm. saying, well, you know, we're running, you know, five or 10 events a year. Plus we've got branding exercises. We're participating in social media. And and what do you, what do you mean? Like, how am I supposed to now adjust my, my, you know, a a certain type of email campaign and, and, or maybe even it means introducing or forking one of those campaigns into two, two streams. Now that you have this data, you know, is the marketing side of the house really, going after that. Yeah, I think right. that the client that you're on M is, you know, they're, they're really pushing an envelope, but I would say, wouldn't you say Kev, like the average person that we're talking to, like they're trying to keep their head above water, let alone leveraging the yeah, data. I think, yeah, even if they had it, I would totally mm-hmm. agree. Like I, you know, if we talked about like a sophisticated marketing department and we've had podcasts about sort of those key roles and everything, but a really sophisticated marketing department to me has some sort of data analyst yeah. or some, someone who a, is in charge of, I'm um, deciding what and how the data mm-hmm. comes in and how it's formatted, maybe a little bit influencing on how it's used, but also has some sort of process, uh, whether it's he or she doing it themselves or, or, or someone else and they're governing it. Um, how is it being cleaned? To what level of cadence is that happening? And, and again, going back to that idea of your database is pretty solid and good shape and the recency level is very, very recent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we can probably... Uh park that one at, at this stage um maybe we circle back and 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 leverage some of your insights em on how you can bake that into ongoing reporting and and marketing attribution once you once you have these uh these pieces and we touched on that at the beginning but i think that be, could be a good follow-up on uh having the mm-hmm. state in action and then you know what that means for your ongoing reporting cool so great another good one thanks em awesome thanks Thank for having you, me thanks for joining Emily. us good job. <laughs> we can't wait to have you back Peace.